Hello, I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. Places, everyone, it's time for The, the Connor and Smith Show. Thank you, Places. Okay, so what's our craft this evening? Um, I see little things in a bowl that looks like we're going to be doing some cutting. So we've kept our Christmas tree up uh, and just redecorated for the holidays because we just needed a little, like, extra light and fun. And so... I'm attempting my first St. Patrick's Day um, tree. So I got some gold paper and drew out little circles and we're gonna make little golden leprechaun coins to put on the tree. So there's one done. But we're still trying to figure out maybe what to put on the gold coin, right? Like do we put a face? Do we put make it look like a coin? Do we make it do we put a gold a shamrock on it? I'm not really sure. I think we'll explore just on the fly as we do our interview. We'll be crafting because that's how we roll. We seem to need to do 10 things at once to get one right. Yeah, speaking of 10 things at once, I just whipped together an eggplant lasagna that we're waiting to come out of the oven. When is that going to be done during the podcast? Probably. Oh, we'll hear a little beep and then we'll know it's time to check the eggplant lasagna. Yeah. Now, last month we did a Valentine's Day two trees. We also did, Stephen loves to do the sort of elementary school that's my skill level. <laughs> he likes to do the elementary school paper chains that mm-hmm. you make to get what you make. So we did um, a Valentine's Day thing. Can they see the Valentine's Day? Yeah, on our Facebook, Connor and Smith on Facebook, which is Connor Connor and Smith. C O N N E R and A N D S M I T H. If they just look that up on Facebook, that's us. Yeah, Connor with an O is a whole different episode where. It's not, you know, everyone has names occasionally that, you know, people forget how to spell or don't know how to pronounce. I'm whatever. lucky in that regard. Usually I don't have to smell to smell Smith. Well, I but, mean, sometimes I do smell Smith, especially during the quarantine. Well, but, how, but however, Stephen, I'm sure a lot of times... Everyone just, spells it with a B. Yeah, everyone spells it with a B. It's a PH, people. And then people call me Stefan or inexplicably Mike. I don't know. So we're very excited about tonight's show. With Diana Huey. We're going to take a quick break. Yes, quick break. Get your popcorn, get your wine. We'll be right back with Miss Diana Huey. See you in a sec. Bye. Huey. Hello, hello. How are you? I am good. I did a very silly thing. What did you do? Well, you know, our world revolves around the pugs, right? Yes, of course. Eddie and Byron. And just like 10 minutes before seven, I said to Matthew, because what's happened in the past, we've recorded at seven. They usually go out at 730 and get their last meal. Uh-huh. And I, but we haven't been doing that, so they've been waiting till we're done. So that means they've been acting a fool during the podcast. So, <laughs> uh-huh. so I was like, okay, we have ten minutes. We can like quick pee around the block and uh, feed them before seven. And we almost managed that. They're <laughs> eating right now, so I am sitting between the two dogs because. They have a little thing called food aggression, and oh my goodness. I have to be the Berlin Wall between them to make sure 
they and so, kill each other. <laughs> and Eddie always finishes his first. So he's done, but currently, like, look, this is fascinating for all our listeners. Um, <laughs> he is looking for more food. It's done, buddy. I promise you this will uh, turn into a normal conversation in one moment. I love this conversation. Well, this is what they call real life, Diana. That's Hi, what Diana. I was going to say. Hi! How is, how's things going? You know, here we are just um, trucking along. I just got finished um, doing a, like a self tape liter- and, and finished the slate. And I was like, and it is like 59, go. Right, right, right. You know, Matt made you. Matt made a eggplant lasagna. Oh my God, that's my favorite. Really? Yeah, we we really got into that um, at like the beginning of quarantining. We made a lot of eggplant parm, <laughs> like a ton, all the time. Kind Matt of. gets uh, imperfect produce. Have you heard yes, of that? Yes, I have. I have. But he forgot to specify on Sunday what he, he wanted his order to be. So he got the random selection. Love it. And he got an eggplant and was like, well, I guess I need to figure out how to make you know, some kind of eggplant meal. So this is what he came up with. How is it? It's just out of the oven. Oh my God. I wish I was there. It, eggplant is seriously my, like, one of my favorite vegetables of all time. It's so meaty. If you, if you like cut it up into chunks, into like cubes and saute it, it's, it's like meat. It's, it's, it's veggie meat. I hear that and portobello as well. Oh, absolutely. Oh, and um, I don't, it's kind of, it'll give you sort of an Asian flair, but like shiitake mushrooms are the chewiest meaty mushrooms. So if I'm ever using it as, uh, I'll use that all the time as a substitute, like eggplant and shiitake mushrooms, and you don't even miss having something, you know, meaty in there because it's so chewy and flavorful and it's oh so good. How is it, Matthew? It's not done. It's not done. Oh, no. Although I'm still going to eat it. He's still going to eat it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, Throw it back in the oven. Yeah, I just, I, I don't really follow recipes because I, I I've been cooking for so long that I don't really care. I don't do this. I, yeah, same, same. I know but, what I like to eat. I know how I like my food to taste and all, you know. Yeah, but it, I so. made this one just a little bit too dense. Oh, uh, yeah. Density, it's an density. issue. It's an issue as my waistline grows. Um, you are telling me. <laughs> I was like, well, the great news is that, you know, hopefully we can see the light at the end of the tunnel and we're starting to get closer back to um, being back in a place of normalcy somewhat. And But then I was like, oh, no, it means I need to come out of my hole and... Um, People have to see me. People have to see me again. And I have to like wear clothes that aren't the same pair of sweats over and over again. What? And I'm so, I, I oh don't want to wear pants again. Like, I that's know. A thing. I know. I'm wearing these like super tight, high-waisted jeans right now from, from my self-tape. And I'm like, what is this? What is this feeling around my gut? I don't even know. And are then they like going mom back jeans, like, just for the viewers at home, are they like mom jeans? Like, um, you know what? They're not. They're 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 black skinny jeans. They they barely zip up anymore. Um, but it almost worked uh, in in a good way because I was like, it's like a girdle. 
It's like my pants have turned into my Spanx. So I love a stretchy jean. So love a stretchy jean. Love a good stretchy jean that's uh, that's tight and uh, just holding it all in for you. But I don't know. Uh, they, this was interesting. This audition. Um, they were like, "We need you to do it twice. Once without a mask, and once with a mask, because we're not sure what the world is going to look like <laughs> by the time we film this episode." And so I was like filming it with a okay. mask on and I was like this is great I don't have to worry about my face looking bad I don't have to really like I can just voice act yeah I was like I don't have to worry about this as much because half of all you can see is my eyes as long as you know my eyes are active and my hair is not doing something totally crazy we're good but I was but, like oh man but, I'm gonna miss um being able to just go somewhere and cover up half of my face and be like don't look at me <laughs> <laughs> but always, you know, there's the always underestimated hair acting. You know, it, it, I think it's going to make a, a harsh, like, or not a harsh, but a hard comeback when things start filming again. Well, they're already filming again, but all the shows that are incorporating, you know, today and they have masks on, your hair better be so on point. And I think, you know, who is the queen of hair acting? Who? Eunice. Eunice Bay, baby. She is. She has the best hair in the business. Yeah, her hair's name is Sheila. Uh, <laughs> it has, you know, her hair has its own name and personality. And um, yeah, Sheila's ferocious. I definitely don't have, um, I, I, I don't have the Sheila power. And, you know, one, one, can, one can dream and continue to fluff her hair as much as possible. But so for those who don't know, um, Matthew and I met Diana in 2013, oh, girl. Oh, my God. <laughs> 2013 Signature Theater's production of Miss Saigon. Miss Saigon. And through that production, some of my best friends to this day I have met. Um, such a great cast, oh, all of us. That was We so, had such fun. We had so much fun. And that show, like... Everything was so crazy for a while um, with, you know, figuring out if like Gannon was going to take over for Jason when Jason got um, injured and like just wild. And, you know, it being this new, super edgy, um, in your face, small, intimate Saigon. And we, we were the first ones to get to uh, to have um, Aaron saying maybe instead of now that I've seen her. It was the new music. Um, yes, there was there there was a lot going on in our Saigon, man. It was Richard Maltby came and talked to I us. No, I was like, what is my life right now? What's happening? That was a magical afternoon. Did y'all um, like the new maybe? Um, I did. I prefer now that I've seen her to. Hey, now that you said that, I can say yeah, I prefer the other one. I prefer but... the other one. The other one sounds like um like some ferocious you know, strong female um, with that kind of like, you want to hear Celine Dion sing it or something, you know, and it's such a powerhouse song and maybe takes her character. And then she's like, maybe, maybe. And it's a lot more wishy-washy. And I'm like, she has every right to be angry and every right to demand answers. And now that I've seen her is that, and it's, I think they were trying to like, they were worried about making Ellen likable or her not being likable enough. So, you know, they wanted to soften her up, but I'm like, no, she has every right to be upset and she has every right to want to like scream it from the rooftops and, um, you know, I don't know, demand an answer from her husband. 
So I'm like, mm, it's fine. Plus, it was. I just. I think it's a better melody. And- yeah, it's stronger. I, I I do agree with. This was also 2013, so people weren't as worried about giving women their you know voice. Right. I think they were more worried their- about making the other female lead likable. You know exactly. And exactly. What crap? Like no, no, no. Come on. So I don't know. I I mean. Aaron sang it beautifully and and you know it's still a beautiful song but I like now that I've seen her better well I think it's also like that's what you grew up with listening to so it's hard to shake also very hard to shake anytime I heard the um you know the the new versions of everything you know they changed a lot of little things like just little lyrics and I'm like uh why (laughs) well I mean it seems like they went back and forth between it's her or me or now that I've seen Mm -hmm. her and then maybe, and it's like, it's so interesting that that's the moment for them that was the, the most, most problematic. <laughs> in the, are you kidding? They're like, okay. we need to really, you know, something's, we need to fix something. Something's not quite setting, right? What could we do? Let's work on this. Can that. we fix the white lady? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes. It's not, that all being said, we love Oh the my show. gosh. That's um, <laughs> I mean, I can still say without a doubt like I mean that show changed my life like that experience in particular like moved to New York after that show it just it was it was such a big step for me I had never you know really stepped outside of my comfort zone like that and you know I didn't know a single person I auditioned on YouTube and I was just I felt so crazy in over my head and everyone was so amazing and I was sort of like oh I can stand on my own two feet by myself with you know this whole new group of people and they they are so wonderful and welcoming and it gave me a lot of bravery that I didn't have before doing that show so I'm very 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 grateful for it it's very special. well uh, t- talking as an audience member because I clearly had a program during that show <laughs> um but you know your performance, Diana, was so um, authentic and believable. Oh, and, and, you know, when you do epic shows like that, like, okay, we've got like 12 soldiers that need to feel like we have an army. <laughs> I know, uh, we had such a small cast. You know, but, but your emotional journey in that show was just completely believable and um, so deserving of the Helen Hayes oh, Award. Yes, thank yes. Thank you. I mean, honestly, like it, that had been my dream show for, you know, my entire Asian female actress life, right? Like that, that's every female belter's dream. And I had so many times just been like, well, I'm never going to get to play this role because no one wants to hire a Kim that hasn't played it before because it's because it's such a difficult thing. Um, and so they usually wanted, you know, everyone would always cast people that have done it before so that it, they guarantee that it'll be, you know, done. And, uh, I'm just so lucky that Schaefer is, you know, beautifully crazy and was like, no, I want someone new. I want someone that hasn't done it a million times. And I was like, oh, thank God. I finally have an in. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the exact opposite um, of every other production. So I was like, yay. <laughs> So it was like me just throwing my, like everything, you know, I was like, this is the thing I've, I've never, I never thought I'd get to do this and I may never get to do it again. So I'm going in and I dug in real, real hard, maybe a little, a little too hard sometimes in some ways, but I definitely was just bleeding my guts out every night and just 
living my best life with it. <laughs> yes, you were. I was just like, Indeed. I don't care. I'm just going to. Ah! So. <laughs> and after, after that, um, most notably what you're known for these days is playing Ariel in the first national tour of The Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. <laughs> and I remember seeing, what year did that start? Diana. year 2016 right yeah end of 16 so, yeah so we were we were in in trump yeah land. he had just he won the election during my first um flight call because we flew in the show to make it look like we were swimming and i i was like okay well you know now it's out of our hands and every the rest of the cast got together at our scuttles apartment to watch the um the results and I was at the theater you know for you know we were there all day 10 to 6 and then I had rehearsal from like 6 to 9 or something for flight call that day so I just had a long day and l- luckily in a way was you know on stage for all of it and then I would come down for a break or whatever and be like okay how are the polls looking and I'd be like okay well this isn't gonna happen and then I'd go back to work and you know so yeah it was we were in tech we were you know in rehearsals when that all happened so crazy Oh. Yes. And then, so you t- you went on the road. Uh, things are fine. You're living your best life, playing a fish. <laughs> um, and then you start to see comments and things on Facebook. Yes. And it, uh, this, I, I remember seeing about this when you were out on the road. And uh, there's certain things that I just don't understand. <laughs> and one of one of them is racism. Um, it's a fish. Yeah. It's a mythical creature that dances right. with crabs. <laughs> right. And people were like, that, that mythical creature's got to be yep. white. Um, what, how, okay. Wait, what, what were the comments? There were, well, you know, actually it started the very, when they first announced me, I went into Seattle and did like a photo shoot for, for press stuff. And during that, you know, my very first thing with them, um, months before rehearsals were even going to start, they were like, just so you know, we had Jen Paz, who's Filipino, um, play Cinderella at the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle a few years ago, and some people were very upset about it. So this may or may not be a thing, but we just sort of, you know, this has happened before. So just to give you a heads up. And I was like, okay, cool, right? And then um, when they released my photo being like, here's announcing our Ariel, um, the very first comment within within a minute of the, the photo going up on, on their Facebook was something like, um, I was so excited to see this production of The Little Mermaid. I'm so disappointed. Since when is Ariel, since when is Ariel Asian? I won't be seeing this anymore. And I was like, oh God, it's like immediate. Like they weren't kidding. This is immediate. And so I was like, okay, well, um, I guess I'm just not going to look at social media for, you know, what every single person has to say about me because that's not you know that's impossible it's impossible to please everybody and you know I can't help that so I kind of made a pact with myself immediately from the get-go I wasn't going to read social media and you know what all of that noise and going out on the road I had an amazing time and all I would get were kids of all colors just hurling themselves at me when I'd come out the stage door looking like Diana 
out of costume, out of my hair, and they would see me and just be like, Ariel, and hurl themselves at me. And I was like, okay, great, this is going well. And then I would have the amazing experiences of, of people of color coming up to me, telling them how impactful it was to see someone of color playing this lead character that we normally associated as, you know, a white mermaid for, you know, Disney and whatever reasons. And, you know, and I was like, oh, this is great. This is going well. And people are, people are, you know, getting this and they're with me. Great. And I forgot about, you know, like six months in, I was just having the best time of my life. And um, the Eels had done a, like a video with the theater in Memphis and they were like, oh my gosh, the, the Eels. Eels, the boys were like, our video is getting so many hits on this, on, on their page. And it's so exciting. And I was like, Ooh, I want to see this. So I go onto the theater's website or onto their Facebook and, you know, watch their video. And I was like, oh, so cute. It was like learning to swim with the Eels. And then of course, then it links directly to their next video, which was, you know, the little mermaid coming to blah, 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 blah. And then I see, I fall down the rabbit hole and, you know, now it has to do with me and people were just like, what is going on? Like, she's, why is she Asian since, you know, um, and talking about, you know, she looks this or she sounds like this or she, her hair isn't red enough. Her costume is awful. Like a lot of, most of the things, honestly, that I are out of my control. Um, but there were a lot of comments about my race playing Ariel. And uh, I was just like, oh my God. And I, I had to go to work. That was like, you know, the next day and uh or that that same day and i was getting ready for the show and i was just like don't think about it don't think about it being like oh no it's the makeup that they don't like then i get you know go to my wig call and i put on my hair that wasn't red enough and then i you know get my costume on that's not the right look and i was like oh my gosh i i'm freaking out like how am i supposed to go on stage here um i'm a disservice to the show and everybody hates me and uh, Dane Stokinger, who was playing our Louie, our chef Louie, walks by and she's like, have a good show, you know, at like five minutes. And I was like, Dane, um, help. I am, I'm, I, I, I just read all these horrible things about me that everyone, you know, everybody hates me and I'm terrible and people are upset that I'm not white and they're mad that I'm playing Ariel and I, uh, you know, freaking out. And he um, sort of talked to me off the ledge. I was like, I just need you to tell me that I'm being stupid and to get my ass on stage and to just, you know, I just need someone to slap me across the face right now. And uh, he did that, but without slapping me across the face, very kindly talked to me off my ledge. And I just had the weirdest show where I was in my head the whole time. Um, and it was awful. I mean, it felt awful. And then that um, week was one of our rare weeks where we had our a mon the Monday off. We usually would travel on Monday. Um, so we had a golden day <clears throat> in Memphis. So I went to the Civil Rights Museum because, duh. And I walked through the Civil Rights Museum and it ends and you're standing right where Martin Luther King Jr. was shot. Like, it's five feet in front of you, you know, and you're like, oh, my God. And I'm just going through this whole museum for hours and hours feeling, you know, going through a week of feeling like everyone was, you know, upset with me and, and that I was, you know, this horrible person for taking this job and whatever. And I was like, how can I 
how, how can, how can I be deal? How, why is this happening? Like, and I can't let this happen. I can't let this racism exist against me, much less for a fictional Disney mermaid. Like, and it's theater. It's all of the reasons why this is terrible. Um, And just, you know, basic racism should be um, shut down when, when, when it happens. So, uh, but it was after going to the civil rights museum that I was like, okay, I, I can't, let this continue. So um, that's when I started speaking up, and <clears throat> and then the there was this uh, article for the Buffalo Times or something. You know, it was supposed to be come see the Little Mermaid. They'll be here next week. Blah 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 blah. Fish glitter, yay! And this journalist that I was talking to, um, I heard later from the people in Buffalo. They were like, "Oh yeah, that doesn't surprise me that he turned this into like more of a political piece because he doesn't want to write theater." reviews and things you know he doesn't want to be in the art section he wants to like be a a journalist journalist so um but i just talked to him about my experience that week and going through the museum and everything because i had just come back from it and uh the 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 piece that was supposed to be promo for the little mermaid in buffalo new york turned into you know huey faces racism in the south and i was like oh shit and it blew up and as soon as that article came out i it came out on a weekend i don't remember what day maybe a sunday and we were some we were in ohio i think and i turned my phone on between shows to find out where everyone went for lunch and my phone had like a million messages it just it blew up and i was like what is going on like I don't, I don't really use Twitter, but like my, the Twitter was crazy. Like I was just getting tweets like constantly. And I was like, I never get tweets. I never use Twitter. Like what is happening? And just, it blew up and this article had like gone viral and then everything sort of took off from there. But I was like, wow, wow. The power of social media, man. Whew. It was like within, it was so quick. It was crazy. There was something with Halle Berry. Oh. Uh, Haley, uh, Halle Bailey is, she is like a. Oh, that was a big mistake a on big my mistake. part. I read the no, note. Halle Berry, I wish. No, hey, Halle Bailey is, was, was slated and, and then everything, you know, COVID put on hold, but there's going to be like the live action remake of the little mermaid, like they've done the Lion King and Aladdin and all those. Um, so they're doing the little mermaid and she's supposed to be playing Ariel um whenever they get back to filming that and she's black and everyone freaked out about that too <laughs> yeah i was gonna say there was a similar i was like i didn't know Halle berry could <laughs> sing so i like, was kind of storm is gonna be playing <laughs> ariel <laughs> i mean oh, I i'm here for it too. but you know oh, i would be here for that but but this is a interesting discussion on your website dianahuey.com um there's there's a, a big thing about diversity that you state on your website. Um, it kind of leads your who you are. And I'm sure like so many conversations have been held over the past four years, especially intensifying in the past yeah. you know, year of turmoil. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping these conversations that are long overdue will reshape theater when it too. returns. Um, and I think it has to. I don't think there's a way around it. Um, well, I mean, if, if, if the stories that we want to see on stage need to reflect who we are as a society or who we want to be as a society, it feels like, you know, we definitely have a, a little bit of a shift 
to do when we somehow go back to performing again and really, really take charge of those decisions of, you know, how we view. I mean, I, I mean, I think there might be some shows that are maybe put on the shelf for a little bit that maybe won't even yeah, be I done. Um, and I also think all the shows are going to look and sound and feel different. I mean, we're at a different place. And so it's so bold of you to sort of, you know, be on that tour and feel all that, all of that negativity, but also realize what an amazing role model you're being for, you know, who, who knows how many children saw you and yeah. saw the future of, of, of what they could be, the you know, thing for me, honestly, that got me through the days that were harder, um, was just thinking of, you know, those kids that were in the audience, um, or young people in the audience or really anybody, but particularly the, the kids, um, that were seeing a diverse cast and seeing representation on, on that stage. And there, you know, there was, um, uh, we were in 10, it might've also been Memphis, um, anyway somewhere somewhere in the middle of the country there was this white mother um with tears in her eyes at the stage door and next to her was her adopted asian daughter and you know she was like i had no idea who was playing you know i just thought oh my my kid's gonna love seeing the little mermaid and then i opened the program and i saw that you were playing ariel that and i just burst into tears because my daughter doesn't see representation that looks like her here in Tennessee you know we don't really see that um and so for for my daughter to get to see someone that she can you know see herself in playing the princess just meant so much to me and you know I was just like well there I mean there you have it right like if that's the if, if just for that one little girl that gets to see someone that you know she can see herself in on stage and feel that like I can do this. Like I'm not alone and I am seen and I am valid and I can also be, you know, whatever I want to be, then I will happily take on, you know, people bullying me. <laughs> like, you know, I'll, I'll take that if it means that I get to do that for those kids and for the people that just feel that they're not represented or seen. So I was just like, right. Uh, fine if, if that and 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 honestly because it got um because it sort of became this viral story for that chunk of time it made it you know I was like well sure that sucked when it was going on but if if that bit of pain and that bit of um you know <laughs> discomfort for me and it means that it'll become this bigger conversation that is very do you know again it's like i will happily take that for yeah absolutely um i just we have to kind of end this session and there's a yes. few friends who want to join you um but quickly you were over here at our house for thanksgiving in 2019 to me and my like a couple of my cast members and my boyfriend who was in town visiting you guys are the best it was one of the best Thanksgivings Same. we ever had. And now, wait a minute. We, we for years have always um, 
sort of been the orphanage, if you will, for all the out of town actors who don't have a place to go, blah, blah, blah. And you were doing right yes, at Pearl? studio theater. You were doing, that's right. And I remember uh, we've always like had our, or our house has always been open every day and every night for all of our friends. But Thanksgiving was always a revolving door of like friends and family. And we even set up a, um, a special table downstairs because oh. we had extra people. And then there's a photograph of all yes. of us on the steps, remember? And mm -hmm. it, it, it's like, I don't know how many there people were, were even so here that day. 20 <laughs> You're. It was like, we. how do we get everyone in this photo? Okay, you go to the top of the stairs and then we'll like line people all the way down and then we'll just pull out around the, the, the bottom of the staircase to the living room. Like, it was amazing. Uh, we... <laughs> We still look back on that as one of the best so Thanksgivings. Um, Let's see. We did we play any games? We usually play. We usually gosh, play games. Uh, we did. We played. Um, uh, we did play games. Uh, with, some with paper and uh, it wasn't. Was it celebrity? Was it the Was it the new Was it the new Natasha Diaz uh, game where you had to like write down five things and then you keep passing it around and the people are trying to guess yes, like, what's think, on your yes. head. And then there was like weird things because yeah. there were a couple of uh, younger people that that didn't know all the all of the the things on the paper and um and you know Zach my friend Zach from the show like lives in in London and you know there was just like all these things where people were like I don't understand these references like what's going on who are these people what's going on but it was it was just so fun you guys are the are seriously the best you really are like you are family to whoever needs a family and it's so beautiful and just... you are family to us Diana. i love you guys you know that but listen we're gonna step off mm -hmm. here take a little commercial break um and then you'll okay. get another invite and we're gonna have a little I'm bit of a so side dog okay all right we'll be hello diana's here <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> How are you, my darling? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm terrific. Cannon <laughs> O'Brien and Tom Sesma are here with Diana Huey. Hello, everybody. Hello, Stephen. Hello. Cannon. Oh, Cannon. How are you? My face already hurts from smiling so big. <laughs> oh, how are you guys? Good. Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. <laughs> Gannon, you're in Chicago, right? Yes, sir. That, that's right. Oh. Wonderful. Gannon's all grown up now. I know. Isn't that something? I know. Oh who who would have thunk it? Uh, not, not me. <laughs> who would have thunk? How's, how's married and daddy life? Like, how are it's you? It's great. It's great. It's dad life is unexpected. I mean, it's it's a different scenario every day, but it's awesome. He, he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be nine months next week. Oh my oh, god! Wow. Mazel tov. That's fantastic. Goodness, he's so cute. He is. <laughs> he takes so after his mother. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> so so I was Diana and I and Matt have already talked about. Um, the Saigon and what a great time we had. What a great genuine cast family it was. Hi, Tom. Hi, Gannon. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. I was in the audience for this wonderful production. 
and you are um, playing playing before shows sometimes your beautiful music so yeah you're... you were in the lobby Matthew. that's right yes you're yes. very much part of the experience and i cannot the... wait to reveal my one-man show uh confessions of a lobby pianist <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. i'm there count me in yeah sign me up um i remember so we were talking tom and gannon about like just the magic that the magical time it was that we had together from Richard Maltby coming and talking to us, which was incredible um, to like, okay, I have to bring this up because we were having a very healthy discussion on uh, diversity of casting and casting equity. And um, you know, the, the conversations that have been long overdue, but are being had now. Mm -hmm. And do you guys remember uh, gun training day? Oh, Oh my God. My God. Oh my god. Um, I, whenever I, I try to explain this moment to people, I don't think they believe me. They I, they think that I'm making it up or that I'm like completely over exaggerating and I'm just so happy to be having this conversation again with people that were there because that was so <laughs> wild. This is the proof. So I don't know the gentleman's name, nor would I out it here. Um not that I think that stage combat's coming back for a long time. So uh there's that. But um, this gentleman was explained to us uh, proper gun usage, fake gun usage for those who are non-theatrical um, inclined and basically was trying to remind us never to leave the theater with a gun, especially brown people. <laughs> We're all and like, who, who? Everyone was kind of just in shock and he kept leaning into it mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i think everyone was kind of in a slow haze looking around at each other like i was going like we're in arlington virginia like this is not a thing here and gannon out loud i'll never forget <laughs> this as long as i live gannon o'brien was the first one to break the silence i believe and he said is this really happening <laughs> 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 That, that was that that was all I could think to say. I mean, it was it was shocking. It was it was it was just uncomfortable. It's just there's no way wild to get around he, it. He said brown people referring to us. I mean, so many times. Um, and and it wasn't just that he was saying that, which is on its own terrible. But then he was saying, telling us not to play with the guns and to take the guns outside of the theater like we ever would but especially because we are brown people he didn't want to see us get hurt by the police he just wanted you to be aware that you were in case you had forgotten right yeah and, you know, if, if i get caught with a gun i'm gonna definitely be in more trouble and probably you know be, because i'm a brown person and i was like this is this is all sorts of offensive i yeah, I it was understand. it was strange because I, I remember just intuitively thinking that he was aware of our sensitivity, that of our discomfort. And yeah. but instead of backpedaling, he doubled down on it. Yeah. Yeah. He kept you know? saying he kept going. Yeah. I I think we, we were let go on a lunch break, right? Right. Yeah. And then we had to have like a like a uh, basically like a, a town meeting, a decompression. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we did. And that and was right after we came back from the Pentagon. Yeah. We had like that field trip to the Pentagon and it ended, you know, where it's like, oh, well, here's where one of the, the planes went down on 9-11 and it was very somber and heavy. 
and then we go straight to this and i was like i yeah i can't function <laughs> like what is what is hap what is happening is this for real yeah that was yeah. so bizarre wow so strange i i'm glad that we got to talk about it though because likewise people seldom believe me when i tell them it happened yeah and it happened in recent history right. um, Unbelievable. now i don't recall did did because i want to throw out some props to uh to the theater itself because i i, I don't recall that any of us actually approached the theater and said a line had been crossed. No, I think oh, the theater. I, I actually the, thought you did, Tom. No, no, I I didn't. What I what I thought was so remarkable is that the theater stepped up and pulled us all together and had that meeting and said, "This right. guy is not coming back." We yep. and we apologize, um, which which I thought was just it was so great. It was so woke, you know. Yeah. So it was so it, responsible on the part of the theater. It was Carrie Epstein, the stage manager, oh. who the second. The second he started saying what he was saying, I saw her quickly looking around and like, you know, like texting. And yeah, it was a it was a moment, but they handled they met the moment. Yeah, yeah, um, they really did. And it's 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 just one of those things where even in theatrical world, you're lulled into a sense of this doesn't happen in theater world. We're all magical unicorns, right. you know, right. <laughs> But boy, does it. Boy, does yeah. it. Boy, yeah. does it. Um, Tom Sesma, you are a legend. <laughs> and I, I bow in your presence. Yes. You have appeared in oh my goodness. so many Sondheim shows. So very many. You have played Sweeney Todd more than anyone I know. He is um, the most brilliant Sweeney Todd. Oh, my God. I, I really wanted to see the one you did in 2018, the immersive right. um, pie shop one mm -hmm. can you tell us what that experience was like it was remarkable you know i uh you know it, it was in a for those of you who don't know they took the barrow street theater they completely tore out the interior of the theater and they built a working pie shop now admittedly they didn't have a kitchen there they brought the food and they prepared the food at a very very nice restaurant and they brought it over uh the chef was bill yosis who used to be the pastry chef for the obama white house the the, the later years of the bush uh presidency and the first term of the uh, of the obama presidency um and uh that's beside the point it was, no, that's impressive it, yeah, in and of itself. It, it was a pie shop. There was no stage per se. The performance unfolded at the counter where you would order food. Um, they built a little staircase that looked like it went back to an office or something for the pie shop. That was part of the stage. And the stage was also the tables. It was also, um, you know, amidst the audience. It, it, was, um, it was literally in-your-face theater. Mm. And it was, an, it was amazing to do that piece in that space, uh, to play it as if it were a combination of, uh, of, of, of a vaudeville, uh, of a Grand Guignol, uh, vaudeville and a I don't want to I, theme park is not the right thing it was like a roller coaster ride you know it was like a haunted house experience mm -hmm. what made it so remarkable is that it's a work of genius you know yeah. it's about something real and tangible 
what I discovered about the piece is that it's not about revenge. It's not about rage. It's about loss and it's about grief. That was what you got back from the audience because they recognized that this was not just buckets of blood and somebody waving a razor in your face. Can I ask if you've, so you've played the, the role four times? I think so. Yeah, I think I've done four different productions of it. So when you, just just asking because uh, I don't have this experience, but when you come back to a role that many times, how difficult is that? Because you don't want to just say, well, here's my Sweeney, here's the key, this is what you get. You, of course, want to it, it changes with the cast, with the concept, with everything. Mm -hmm. It's a different piece. But but tell me what what that's like when you're, okay, I'm on my fourth. Okay, at least the last one was immersive and totally different. But what is it like? It's, it's, it's different. I mean, you know, of course it's different every time. And you want it to be different because you want it to be fresh. And it's also different because you're a different person over the years. I think the biggest problem with Sweeney Todd, and you said the right, you used the right terminology, is the concept. So many people are, are um, I don't want to say they're married to the original concept of the show. Um, I, you know, even the first couple productions I did were kind of downsized versions of the Hal Prince approach to the show. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it just happened to be with 15 or 18 people instead of 40 on stage, right? right? But it was it was pretty much the same template, and it, and uh, you know for an actor, you know I've done a lot of roles where I'm, you know, stepping into something that was shaped by George Hearn or Jonathan Price or Patrick Page or something like that, you know, and you find out that the director wants you not to just not simply to fit into that template, but make it your own. And that's, they're not just paying lip service to that. But what I've learned is that there's an entire universe of creativity that you can do within that, within those sometimes very, very strict parameters. Right. And, and speaking of stepping into roles, we're going to switch over to Gannon real quick. But I'm going to say, Tom, when we go back to something that looks like it might have been theater, if you go back into a pie shop to do a role, call me because I want to do a rep of waitress, diner, <laughs> and you play the lead of, in all three. Well, that's, that, I'd be happy to, just call me. But what I was going to say about the interesting thing about doing that is that for the first time I was doing a Sweeney Todd, the production that Bill Buckhurst directed at the Barrow Street Theater, uh, where he threw that template out the window and he wanted to find something completely different. I didn't really want to do it again. I didn't really want to go in for the audition again. But I also have to say that in the intervening years, a lot of things had changed in my life. And when I picked up the material, sort of reluctantly picked up the material just to read the, read the pages, uh, to, to think about whether I wanted to go into the audition, uh, so much had changed in my life that the material itself seemed new to me. Uh, and I realized that it wasn't about, you know, angry guy waving a razor. It really was about grief. I had lost things right. in my life that I could relate to in a completely different way. So that's what I took in. And Bill encouraged us to run with that uh, because I think that he had discovered in the context of what the show, uh, the show's relationship with the audience, that that's what the audience was feeling as well. And um, 
and so it was a very very different experience for me in that respect it was it was an incredible gift for an actor to discover something new about how you approach a role in relation to how you change as an actor over time as in relation to how you change as a person over time do you follow yeah. oh absolutely absolutely yeah. i i think uh i'm really upset i didn't you know, we're always, it's like a busman's holiday. If you got a day off, you don't want to step into a theater, you know, but I didn't have the chance to get to New York and see that. But I remember thinking that is the most wackadoo, crazy concept and I have to see it. Um, and of course I didn't get you to. You know, I will but... say one very, very funny thing happened one night. I was jumping on the table, you know, I jumped on the table for the epiphany and you know, there I am, I'm holding up razors to people's throats. And, uh, <laughs> Oh, you know this story, do you? No, no, go ahead. Um, it was, um, oh, gosh, he played Tui in our production. Why am I going up on his name? Uh, uh, Chris, Chris, uh, Chris Mueller? Mueller? You know, I was up there on the table. I dropped to my knees at one point. I hold up my razor to this guy's throat, and I'm looking in Chris Mueller's eyes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So. It's hard to, to kind of not clock that even though you're a character you're like oh there there's yeah, yeah. sort of funny. oh god but ganon i just want to i just want to also get to ganon here because ganon there was a very unique situation that happened uh one of the only times i've ever been in a cast where something like this has happened mm -hmm. um our leading actor injured himself and had to you know step out of the show and it was it was God, right at the beginning. Right. Um, and we did, so Gannon was his understudy and we didn't know like how long Gannon would go in. Um, Gannon, do you want to like just talk to that crazy, crazy uh, period of time? Sure, sure. Um, I think it was the, the last night or the second to last night of tech when it was kind of like, um, you know, Jason had to had to leave the show or he was seeing doctors um, because he had he had um, injured his voice. And so it was it was wholly unexpected. Um, I've understudied a few times and and it's sad to say, but you're really never as prepared as you think you are. I remember right. I mean, I was such a fan of, of the show and listened to it and knew knew the score to where to where it wasn't so much a matter of learning the words or the melodies. It was a matter of learning the staging and the blocking. Cause when you're an ensemble member, you're really focused on your track and, and, and you, you kind of glance over as you glance over to the principles that you're understanding as much as you can. Um, but you're really focused on doing your own thing and, and building your, you know, your characters as an ensemble member. And um, Steven and Matt, you both know that how fun it is to be um, in a great ensemble show and, and a great cast and how much fun you have. You almost forget that you're understanding somebody. So, yeah, Daniel, let me step in there real quick. I know also the last week of the show before you know, your opening and previews, that's when sometimes the biggest changes happen in blocking and choreography mm -hmm. sure. and blah, blah, blah. Sure. So not only are you being changed as an ensemble member, but so is the lead and placement and blah, blah, blah. Go ahead. Well, Jason was the most gracious person. I mean, he, he, he sat down with me before after rehearsal during tech and, and pulled me aside and showed me a lot. Most, most I mean, the, the major... The major parts to where everything i mean for lighting purposes i mean the show had, had already been lit so i just really needed to find my light 
it was that simple and kind of I had some leeway. I think they probably backtracked some of the lighting uh, cues and just put put a wash on. So in case I in case I didn't hit it, I wasn't going to be in the dark. But <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I really think it's um it's a testament to to the cast and and, and the the leadership. You know the the directors and. And everybody involved that really was allowed me to step into it. I mean, no, nobody. I mean, to be to be completely frank, to be an understudy, you hope that you don't have to go on. Sure. You, you hope that you hope that the 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 show runs smooth. Of course, you're prepared in case that happens, but you never want to see the guy who who just spent you know ten weeks putting his heart into this thing to have to, to have to bow out. So. It was, um, and Diana was, was, was a major, and Tom, you guys were both um, instrumental in helping me feel comfortable and in, in, in getting to the point where the curtain rose, and I think it was our invited dress, and that was my first full run of the show. Yeah, I yes. remember that. You were fantastic. You, you hit it out of the park, too. Oh, boy. I, so I just refreshed my memory, because as we discussed, that was 2013. It's been some time. Um, when how long was it until they came and they said okay it's going to be you like what refresh my memory i think we had gotten pretty much to the end of previews um i'm not sure what that schedule was i think did we do previews for maybe a week i think so where we we, we'd run the show we'd get notes we'd make changes yeah um i think it was right into the end of that point i was sitting um my brother was in town, I believe, and we were sitting in Samuel Beckett's at the bar and Karma and Eric were there. And they're, you know, my brother and I are having lunch. He's, he was in town and they come over to me and they're like, hey, you know, I just wanted to let you know that um, we made the decision that it's, it's just going to be you. Probably, probably because it was just too difficult at that point to find somebody <laughs> more suited to do it. Um, I would like to think it's because you were doing a great job. <laughs> um <laughs> I, I call this segment divine organization. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but it was. I mean, regardless of of everything that that unfolded, it was such a fun experience. Um, I I think I like to think that I had some pretty funny bits uh, for those who, who were inclined to check me out of the ensemble that I that I uh, wish I could have uh, brought to fruition. But <laughs> but no, it was a it was a just a blast, and and I can't say enough about everybody involved with it. Well, Gannon, um, Gannon is my like younger theater brother, <laughs> and we we have many years of ensemble work in which we um, were doing things we probably shouldn't have done in the background. <laughs> but that's that's the one thing that I I missed when you went into the role. It was like, oh man, I don't have my Gannon here anymore. Now, yeah, I'm gonna have to talk to other people. <laughs> the game it okay. is uh it, it's diana tom and then gannon if tom doesn't come in he won't be a part of the game um diana what are you watching right now a series movie reruns what are you watching um so i'm watching two things at least as of last night um so we just got a roku instead of our amazon prime or amazon fire stick which was dying and it took 10 minutes to load uh, so we got a Roku and it has a channel on the free streaming thing for Roku. And it is the tiny house nation channel <laughs> and it is playing tiny house related things 24 hours a day. And I lost 
my mind. I so that's on kind of all the time now. Um, but also, I'm rewatching the first season uh, because my boyfriend never saw it um, of Good Girls, which is so good, and I'm having just <laughs> as much fun watching it the second time and watching him watch it and be like, just it gets. It just gets more and more twisted every episode. And we watched um, like six episodes last night because we couldn't stop because it always ends on a cliffhanger. Oh, wow. Ganyan, what are you like? Oh, no. (laughs) Ganyan, what are you watching? You know, I've always got two, three or four things going. Right now, I'm I'm watching. I like um, Fargo, which was aired on FX, but it's all on Netflix now. Um, I'm in season three of Fargo. If you've seen the film, it's it's kind of shot in the same style. It's not the same writers or the same um, production team, but it's it's in the same style of the film, which is fantastic if you haven't seen that. Is it a similar I'm, story? It's a different story, but it, it's set, it's all set in and around Minnesota and, and Fargo, North Dakota. So, Fargo. so it is, it's like, I love it. And then I, I'm watching um, The Peaky Blinders, which is mm-hmm. on that Netflix as well. I, I I love like like gritty period, dramas and like especially when there's like a criminal like element to it so it's, it's fantastic awesome. awesome uh next next question is i know a lot of people right now are learning different things learning things online learning how to do this how to do that Dinah, are you learning anything brand new at, at this time yeah i'm um teaching myself ukulele and i just started embroidering because I am Ooh. officially an 80-year-old woman. <laughs> I, I will sit on the couch and embroider succulents, because uh, that's what I happen to be doing, and uh, watching Tiny House Nation. And I'm like, I am so sad. I am never leaving my house again. <laughs> I have no reason. <laughs> Gannon, are, are you learning anything? Um, I'm always trying to learn a new song on the guitar and it's one thing I I put the when the baby was born I, I put the guitar down and I haven't really picked it up much but after seeing the news that Cloris Leachman passed away and yes just in tandem with the story about how we were at um Kennedy Center perform um rehearsing for My Fair Lady um and she the first day um of rehearsals she walks into the room and she sits down at the piano without saying a word and plays Claire de Lune from memory at the piano. There's Tom. Oh, Tom. All right, here we are. <laughs> okay, we're back. I was joking, Tom, when you left. I said, did he take an equity five? <laughs> it's about four minutes, in, or almost five minutes in. So, yeah, he's back early. Wow. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I got confused and I, I suddenly realized, oh, wait, I think I'm supposed to sign back in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. I don't know what happened. I got disconnected. It's all right. So, Gannon, you were saying that you are learning um, a new song on the guitar and then also because of I My se- Fair Lady. Yes, I segued into that. So because of, of just that that memory of, of Cloris Leachman play, playing Claire de Lune on the piano, I decided to learn Claire de Lune on the guitar. Um, oh, oh, wow. So I want to hear that when you're done. I will for sure send you a video. I want it awesome. too. Tom, what are you watching right now? I know everyone's binging things. Do you know what? I don't binge. Um, I, I, I haven't, uh, uh, ever since I gave up drinking, I don't binge. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm a binge eater. I, there, there were a couple shows that, I, that, I, that, I, that we did watch pretty devoutly, of course, The Crown. 
and the great British baking show, but a lot of yes. a lot of little individual things. You know, I'm trying to catch up with uh, you know nominations for the SAG Awards and things like that. So, um, watching um, watching some movies. I just watched One Night in Miami, which was pretty incredible, and the Trial of the Chicago Seven, uh, which were fantastic. Um, but I tend to, uh, you know, the problem with news the news is that it sucks me in and i will um fall down the rabbit hole and be so you're binging the news i i, I try not to use that word but yeah <laughs> i guess i am i'm ashamed but thank you well thank you. me and steven of course are watching the clock because nine o'clock we are both like in front of the tv for the rachel well, show like none other yes oh yeah um Tom, other question. Are you learning anything right now? I know a lot of people are taking classes online and doing different things. Um, Spanish. I, I was nice. Yeah, Spanish. I was, I was, you know, I've been to Spain twice since we all, since we all spent our time together down at, uh, down in, in Saigon and Bangkok. Um, my wife and I have walked the Camino de Santiago twice. If you don't know what the Camino de Santiago is, it is a, um, it's been around for literally a thousand years. It's a 500 mile pilgrimage across the north of Spain. Oh and gosh. it's something that you walk. Uh, you walk between anywhere between 15 and I'd say 27 miles a day, depending on you want to walk. Sure. Um, but, it's, but it's 500 miles from uh, the French side of the Pyrenees to the city of Santiago de Compostela. Uh, we did that first in 2016, and we did it again in 2019. We love Spain. Um, wow. We're thinking of trying to find a way maybe to have a long-term rental or maybe even to buy a small place. Uh, so, um, but and then one, do Sweeney but, in Spanish. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> but one thing I found out, having gone there twice for extended periods of time, is that if you're a relatively progressive you know, woke kind of guy, like we all consider ourselves. And you go to a foreign country and you don't know one word of the language. Ah. You're not just lazy or inconvenient. You're kind of a jerk. <laughs> you know? sure. right. So um, this year I started to, uh, I started to take Spanish. Um, oh. I started not long after everything locked down and I was taking lessons online and, uh, and I love it. I love it. That your 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 uh, story about Spain reminds me of how all of us sort of get trapped in our own selves and showing up every day as our own self and uh, friends around us treat us as ourselves. And it's really only travel and the exploration of the world that really reminds us that we are human beings and not really anything that has anything to do with anything but the earth right true yeah yeah it's a it's a it's a beautiful moment me and steven definitely don't travel as much as we would like to um for various reasons but um i do feel like uh, even just you talking about that that walk it sounds like almost like a spiritual journey well it still is a pilgrimage route i mean and one of the most amazing things is that when you're on the way what we call the way the cap with a capital w when you're on the Camino, you meet hundreds of people, sometimes on a daily basis, from all around the world who are doing the exact same thing. They are walking to Santiago. Uh, they come from all different backgrounds, all different faiths, all different uh, professions, ages, 
um, and you're in union with this community of strangers who become closer to you than people you may have known all your life simply because you're walking together but one of the one of the most profound things about it is that most people in this day and age in the 21st century secular culture that we all live and share um, we don't think of ourselves as pilgrims because we think oh it's a high-toned spiritual kind of thing but everybody finds themselves find themselves on on in the course of this journey on some sort of interior journey to the center of themselves mm, right. and if that doesn't define pilgrimage i don't know what does yeah wow i just i just imagined while you were, you were talking a um a play or a musical with all of these strangers sort of walking Allah in place or some sort of interesting Biography and in, in, in sort of beginning as strangers and ending up as family or yeah I don't know no it, it it it's yeah it's inherently dramatic in that sense it's so personally cathartic and it happens in a very quiet way too but it's an extraordinary experience and I would recommend it to everyone I I would say uh, one admonition don't do it if you're not ready to have your life changed ah right. Right. Well, yeah. Tom, if you get your um your property somewhere yes. over there, then we can all just take turns coming to visit you. Yeah, maybe like... maybe we could start a theater company. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. A retreat. Oh, um. So for I have one more question to ask all of you on this wonderful new amazing game show that I just created <laughs> on this piece of paper. Um. Diana. Um. What's next? And I don't mean in necessarily in a theatrical sense, but is there anything coming up in your uh, future that you're looking forward to, whether it be, uh, yeah, anything coming up in, in the world? Gosh, not right now. It's been, I, I've, I've had a really busy um, past year, surprisingly, considering, you know, the fact that everything has halted, but I've been really active with, um, like online workshops and online readings and virtual performances and concerts and, and things like that. And right now it's kind of um, lulled a bit, uh, which has also been nice. Uh, so I don't have anything in particular on the horizon, but I am just, I'm so excited for the world to start coming back to normalcy. And now that, you know, vaccinations are going out and, things are starting to, you know, rustle and wake back up a little bit. You can like, you can feel it coming. And it's just, I'm very excited for that. Mm-hmm. Tom, how about you? Uh, I'm really, really excited to see what Diana Huey has to offer us next. <laughs> because, uh, you know, like, just like you guys, just like all of us, we, we follow her on social media. And yeah, you have been busy. And I am just so proud of you. I am just like, like the, the, the community here, the Asian American community, not just the Asian American community, but the whole theatrical community is so much better for having you here. I'm so glad oh you, I'm so well, glad you, you know made it. You know, it's all because of you, Tom Sesma. <laughs> ha ha, not at all. Seriously, though, I wasn't going to move to New York. I had no interest. I was too scared and you just I, I bullied you here. into it I, you <laughs> did you did you scared the living daylights out of me 
in like the best way though. I mean, you, you tough loved me real hard and, and, you know, told me you, you just like, you truth talked me and, uh, and set and helped get me on my feet when I got here. And I mean, you really, you were sort of the number one person that, um, made this happen for me. And, and I wouldn't, be sitting in an apartment in Astoria in New York, loving my life, like having a great time. I've, I've not regretted moving to the city once and I'm so grateful. I think, it, I think I had this in, it, instinctual idea that, that you wanted to be a New Yorker as much as you wanted to be an actor. Mm. And um, I just didn't realize that I was way too scared. Well, you know. <laughs> I was a scaredy cat. Well, I'm glad. That's a beautiful story. Yeah, Tom says, my man. He, I'm glad you're here. He, he did it. And Gannon, what are you gonna what are you looking forward to? Anything? Yeah. Besides the baby. I mean, I'm excited about a lot of stuff. I'm excited. I'm excited to just get together with family and friends, like extended family and friends. I mean, I've got friends who've been my best friends since we were you know, six years old who haven't met my son and probably won't until he's a year old. So um, and also I'm excited to get back into a theater and see, and see live theater. I mean, as you all know, I, I haven't been performing for the last six years. I think Miss Saigon was actually my second or third to last production I was a part of. Wow. But, um, but no, just, just, I've got a lot of friends here in Chicago that haven't been able to perform that I'm excited to get to see them again. And just, uh, to see all my friends who, who are still uh, within the community. That I still that I truly do st still feel very much a part of, just with from the friendship I've formed in it. Um, just getting to see them do what they love to do—that's what I'm excited for. Uh. Well, I am excited to listen to this when it's all edited and up, um, because it's been a great time, great conversations, lots of really <laughs> important subject matter, and also just stupid fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> But well, we're good at I that. I love you all. We we love you both, and uh, we can't wait to talk to you. I love I love you both. There's only two of you, <laughs> all three of you. We what what I was supposed to say there was we both love all well, of you. We love all you love both. you both. <laughs> oh, thank you. Now, how do we know you're not recording this to do what they did in a chorus line and turn all of this conversation into a great show? <laughs> <laughs> I think that one's idea. been thought of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, we've got so many winning kidding. ideas going on, you guys. We I know. do. Is, we're gonna I be know. rich. <laughs> <laughs> if we ever leave our tiny house and get out of our stretchy jeans, right. oh you know. no, not not no. We need to keep the stretchy jeans. Oh, you guys are wearing <laughs> pants. <laughs> what are jeans? <laughs> I look like Aunt B from Andy Griffith. Yeah. <laughs> Just walking around in a moo moo. <laughs> yeah, yes. that is one thing I feel like eating ice I feel cream. Like, uh, things, when things go back, um, I, I hope that uh, you know women won't feel as pressured to be you know looking a certain way anymore. We're all like, who cares? And you know, Amen. forget about the jeans. Forget about it's just like that doesn't matter anymore. I think everyone's just going to be so excited to get to be around people and create and hug and just anything again that I hope that all of those stupid expectations about appearances uh go away a little bit we'll, we'll just be great we'll just be grateful to be alive and to be here and to be present yes. that we won't have to care about that stuff anymore. amen amen please 
I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm just saying, you know, this is going to affect everything, this whole, you know, COVID-19. But I'm really excited to see the fashion oh lines. Oh, my gosh. The Moomoo. She better, you know what I mean? And how, turn, guys. Everyone's going to have one. I, I just, I just want to, I want to see, like, what, how much elastic, you know? <laughs> There's got to be a lot of elastic. Well, I've grown out of all my clothing, oh my so God. I'm going to have to adopt a little bit more elastic in my life. <laughs> I mean, buy stock in it, buddy. Buy stock. That's a good one. That's a good stock tip. All right. We love you. Um, we'll talk to you guys soon. And thank you so much for all being right. there. Thank love you for you having all us. so much. Thank you all. you all. Miss you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow. That was so much fun. Yeah, just to even hear everyone's voices from like a, almost a decade ago, eight years ago, feels so weird. Diana is just always such a ray of sunshine. Mm-hmm. Tom is like the enlightened prophet. I just love listening and to him. And a master, and a Dan master. And is like the brother that we used to hang around. He is my little brother, and I was so proud of him and Miss Saigon. He sang like an angel. He did such a great job and was, as Diana pointed out, um, in text, just calm and like amidst all the chaos was a rock. Didn't falter or flinch one bit. If he did, he hit it very well, which makes him an incredible actor, which he is. So how was the uh, eggplant lasagna? Um, it's okay. I mean, I like eggplant because you can do so many things with it. I'm not a, a not fan of it. I kind of hurried through this recipe, so there's probably a little too much ricotta in there. I mean, I like ricotta, but it's basically... A whole lot of ricotta. It's a whole lot of ricotta, and it's a lasagna with, like, a side of ricotta. Mm. Um, But it's good. Good. Our craft project, I'm not really that into this week. So Why? We, it's fine. The so gold we, things? Yeah, we made little gold coins, but they kind of just look like gold pieces of circular paper. But that's what they are. Yeah, I, I think we're going to have to do some different Irish decorations because it doesn't really look... It looks like a Christmas tree still. Anyway, not every creative process that you enter in and what you envision turns out exactly how you would have envisioned it or liked it. Well, it's St. Patrick's Day, so St. Patrick clearly was a saint. So why don't we hang crosses from the tree? Well, let's save that for Easter. Um, (laughs) I think we we have some shamrocks we can do and some paper chains. We'll save that for another night. What about Lucky Charms? We buy a bunch of Lucky Charms cereal boxes and we cut them up. That is a way to go. Um, we, we do a, a whole tree of like little empty miniature Lucky Charms boxes. <laughs> I did get little travel cereal boxes. Not that we're traveling. I just wanted to have little... Is there a Lucky Charms? Go check. Um, so just a preview. Tomorrow night, we're going to be doing something totally different. There's um, only one Lucky Charms. Can we hang um, Honey Nut Cheerios from the tree? Then it becomes a cereal tree. Which is getting really close to a serial killer, killer tree, which we're tree. not going to do that. Um, tomorrow we're going to do something totally different. Um, there will be a special guest coming in to give a, a quick plug for an upcoming show. Speaking of upcoming shows, doesn't Susan Derry have a, a, a past pod guest? I can't talk. Yes, Susan Derry has a show tomorrow, no, Saturday night 
at Creative Cauldron uh, live streaming. So you can get your ticket and watch online. Doesn't matter where you're listening to this from. Yes, please get your ticket. Please talk about it online. Please tag everybody. It's going to be a tremendous show. I think maybe she was like the biggest seller for the holiday she was. season. Yeah. So, I mean, th this is like the show to see. Susan's um, wonderful. She was a past guest. Listen to her episode and the mini-sode in which we play some highlights of her singing um, some of our stuff over the years. But, uh, yeah, Susan Derry, get your tickets at creativecauldron.org. Um, and tomorrow night we're going to be driving to an art installation. It is an outdoor art installation in National Landing called Shrooms. It involves giant light-up mushrooms and we're just going to go check it out from the safety of our car. Are we going to take the dogs? Oh, I guess we could, but they, that would be two in your lap and me holding this microphone while driving. That doesn't sound safe. Much to consider. Um, so anyway, that's kind of the, the deal for tomorrow night. It's a mini-sode. Friday night is a mini-sode. And we're gearing up for it. This has been a record week for us because... We are doing more interviews this week than we have before. Just kind of happened because of people's availability. And boy, we're so excited that people are listening and sharing this on their social media and getting the word out. Um, we really appreciate all your support. And the dogs didn't really act a fool during this episode. No, but we did do this episode after walking them four times. I think that's the key. And usually it's in between three and four, and they kind of look like, are we going to go out? And so yeah. maybe maybe we change the time up a little bit. Did we do like the, well, we'll talk about that when yeah. we hang up the Isn't pod. that something that everyone wants to hear about right now? Um, all right. Well, thanks so much, and as we always say, turn your heart into, into art. art. Bye.